This episode of Hockey Press Pass is presented in part by the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village. Unplug your game. Buy board games. Play board games. Food and drink. Fun. And friends. Well, a pretty perfect performance from beginning to end from the Islanders on Thursday night. They absolutely annihilate Columbus 6-0 from start to finish. Anders gets his first career hat-trick. Sorokin was brilliant from start to finish. They score on the shorthanded. They go 5-for-5 on the kill with that shorthanded goal. I mean, they they just skated with, with a purpose. And it was clear from the first drop of the puck until the final goal with two seconds left that gave Anders Lee his hat-trick, that they were the better team. They proved it. Uh, Again, total destruction. I mean, we call it Islanders. This is Islanders' four-check bonus series of hockey press pass. He's Chris Botta. I'm Pat Boyle. Pretty fitting title when they play games how they did on Thursday night, Chris. And I know we were talking about it before we started here. Where has this been all year, right? I mean, this is the type of performances we were expecting to see for the majority of this season. And ultimately, is it a uh, is it a glimmer of a highlight in a otherwise lost and difficult season? Probably, but it's good to see the team obviously not giving up with still mathematical uh, chance to play for here. But, uh, I mean, this was just a vintage Islanders performance from start to finish. They forechecked the shit out of Columbus. They forced turnovers left and right. Again, Anders Lee was brilliant. Beauvillier played phenomenal. Three assists. Uh, They outshot Columbus. Made Corpusalo look look like a rookie. um, Beating him left and right. Columbus's defense obviously gave him zero help. But, I mean, again, too little too late probably ultimately, but this is great to see a a performance like this from a team who is still fighting, who is still giving everything they have. They will give everything they have, I believe, until the very final game of the season, no matter how these final 24 games play out. But, I mean, this this is really nice to see. This is one where you can just sit back and enjoy, right, Chris? And that was my point also Saturday when they beat St. Louis, Pat. You know, you could sit there and go and listen. We've heard from uh, Jamie Ames on Twitter saying, where has this been all year? How come it's taken this long for the chemistry uh, to come together? And that's a great question. And that's something they're going to have to, when they dig out of this season and look at next season and start to make those changes before the trade deadline, I'm sure those are questions they are asking themselves. But we are at the stage of the season with them 20, uh, 20 points out, only four games in hand, no no signs that they're going to win every game in hand they ever have, that you just take each performance for what it is. So Colorado, they stunk up the joint for a large section of the game, dug themselves too big a hole. But Saturday, a good against a good St. Louis team, like granted St. Louis hasn't been that good in the last week or so, but the Islanders they, they again, you, you used it. They look like the old Islanders, the old Islanders of 2020. 2021 right and then again thursday night against columbus columbus had a couple of chances sorokin stopped the breakaway so it wasn't like columbus didn't show up you know i'm not going to take anything away from the Islanders. this was a dominant thorough impressive performance and i think at this point in the season after all that's happened you enjoy the wins 
you try to learn from them just like you do from the losses, and then you move on to the next game, which in this case happens to be Friday night against Winnipeg at home. Yeah, and you know back-to-backs are, are always tough in hockey, but it's easy. it makes it a lot easier when you're playing at home back-to-back, and it makes it a lot easier when you get to ride the high of a performance like this last night. And, you know, again, just you know, let's, let, let's, let's look at, ahead of the schedule here real quick. Let's see how, how much of a run they can maybe turn this into. Again, you mentioned it. They, they played poorly for stretches against Colorado, who's obviously a Stanley Cup contender, one of the best teams in the NHL this year. But, you know, ultimately they, they gave them a fight and only ended up losing by a goal. You mentioned the performance Saturday afternoon, the early Saturdays, which have been like hell on ice for the Islanders this year. You know, they walked out of there with a gritty, tough win against St. Louis. And then even after Winnipeg, you know, they're not traveling a lot at all over the next month. You know, they go to Philly for a game. They go to Boston for a game. Really, the farthest they're going until the beginning of April is Columbus. And, you know, a couple decent teams are going to play in that stretch. They're going to play the Rangers again, which will be a a big-time game at the Garden. They're going to play Tampa Bay. They're going to play Columbus twice. They'll play the Rangers again to to start the month of April. But, I mean, look. We're just looking to have this thing be interesting by the second week of April, if nothing else, right? Yeah, I think, and you know, you brought up the Ranger games. I think, I think those are. I know sometimes we can make too big a deal of those, and then there have been times where it's quiet. But those are going to be pride games, right? Because after what's happened this season with the Rangers storming back so well, which is Sturkin and Goal with Gallant, with their high-end players playing really well, led by Fox and Panera, and of course Kreider scoring seemingly every night. You know, it was a year ago that the Islanders took it to the Rangers late in the regular season twice. And I have no doubt in my mind, more than the Tom Wilson game, that that was what led Jim Dolan and people at the Garden to be like, this is bad. We didn't show up against the Islanders. We need to fix this thing. And they did. So good for them. So now I think it'll be an opportunity for the for the Islanders to prove something against their biggest rivals. Um, I think about the St. Louis game on Saturday. If you remember, we had Jamie Rivers on the show. First, I asked him about the afternoon games because of the Islanders not playing well in them. He said why he liked them. But he also made the case about how the Blues were going to be ready because they'd had a tough loss two nights earlier. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh, man, if I was betting, I wouldn't be betting on the Islanders in that game Saturday. And they, I didn't bet, and I'm glad I didn't. And the Islanders looked really good. We're at another point of the season where a question that I got uh, during late in the game uh, from Carmine and Tiso uh, late in the game said, will a late season surge in meaningless games that still ends the season without the playoffs give management an excuse to make minor changes instead of the major infusion of youth, speed, athleticism the team very desperately needs? It is a completely fair question, Carmine. It's a fair question, Pat. I I don't blame him for asking it. That That's what happens when you win these games, right? It's like, oh, well, maybe we don't need to make uh, major changes. I believe that Lamorello and Trotz and the scouting staff have a their finger on the pulse of this team and not one game like tonight, not one game like Saturday, because there have been stinkers along the way these last couple of weeks too. Um, they are going to have to accumulate some assets because the prospect pool is thin. Roddy, great, high, high upside, but no sure thing. DeFore, great upside, but no sure thing. And then a lot of... Uh, 
you know, not super impressive prospects. So they're going to have to uh, replenish the asset pool, the prospect pool, and I believe there still will be some changes before the deadline. And to answer Carmine's question, no, I don't think that's going to delude Lamorello into not doing anything and not making major changes before the start of next season. Yeah, and that, that is an excellent question, right? Because it's all of a sudden they do get on a run and say, hey, you know, they have a chance. So maybe this is this is still the team we thought they were. No, I still obviously do think there needs to be changes. Um, I am a still firm believer that uh, Varlamov is getting dealt. You know, where that's to might be a little muddy now. I saw some tweets, James Nichols, who I think we, uh, you know, we, we both know, and I know has listened to the, the podcast. I saw he tweeted that he's hearing Varlamov won't waive his no-trade clause for Edmonton, who we know has been in search of goaltenders for <laughs> what seems like, you know, forever now. Um, but I don't think that means that uh, Lou won't try to find a destination for him. I still think that's a move that has to get made. Sorokin's the goaltender of the future. We've known that for the, since the beginning of the season. We've known it since last year. So I, I think that's still a move that uh, definitely has to get made. I think will get made here in the next two weeks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see, obviously, what the next week or two brings. You know, you're still fully expecting the Islanders to make moves, to make some trades, correct? Yes. Oh, yeah, very, very, very much so. Uh, it's that time of year. It, it, you don't just make trades for the sake of them. I know that's something that comes up a lot. Um in the case of Varlamov, and it's really no different than the others, like a Parisi or like a Clutterbuck, is you just need more than one team interested. I've said that probably, it's probably the third time I've said it on one of these episodes. And every time a team just completely starts to crap the bed and goal, for example, like Lamorello's, one of his old teams, the Toronto Maple Leafs have done in the last week or so, it gives uh, some hope there, hoping that you can get something good now. In some cases, the owners might have to take some money back. The other team might have to retain some salaries, salary, but there are deals to be made. All right, and I know we're going to speak with one of my favorite Islanders and one of the fastest skaters on earth in his early days on the island, Michael Grabner. And uh, Chris, I know you've got a an interesting um, an interesting point to make here before we have Michael on. Yeah, I just wanted to say, and I don't want to embarrass him, uh, you know, in front of him because he's a very uh, humble guy, very unique guy, and a kind and, and, and gracious guy. Who, by the way, wasn't on the team when I worked for it. What had happened with Michael, and what I want people to know, because I think it's extraordinarily uh, classy, is that there was a time, and you might not even know about it, but some of the fans listening will know, where Garth Snow took my credential away. I was covering the Islanders. They stunk, and he and he uh, decided to ban me from covering the team because it was too negative, or whatever the case might be. And that was all fine, and life eventually moved on. It, it didn't hurt me. We life moved on. But what happened in the wake of that, and I appreciate that, is that the Professional Hockey Writers Association, Pat, as part of a protest, because they were fighting for media rights. Like, you, you can't just ban somebody because he's writing critical stuff. So uh, what the Long Island chapter did, and then other chapters of the PW, uh, PHWA did, was they stepped in and they said, if you're going to do this, we're not going to participate in voting for NHL awards. And, you know, now this is kind of out of my hands. I appreciate, you know, anybody standing up for anybody, but 
um, Grabner, Michael starts to have a really, really good season. And he winds up with 34 goals. And he was always kind of like second or third in the battling. It was pretty sure he wasn't going to win. But if the Long Island chapter isn't going to vote, I'm feeling like, well, this is going to hurt Mike. So through a uh, mutual friend, I was I got a hold of him because I just wanted him to say that, like, I feel badly about this. That This isn't anything I asked for. And I hope that he doesn't get hurt, you know, by this vote. And, you know, I'll just never, I don't even expect him to remember this. It's an over 10 years ago, but he shot me the, the, the kindest note back saying that he understood, he understood what the writers were doing uh, and to not worry about it. You know, if I wind up getting nominated, that would be fantastic. I probably won't win anyway. Competition's fierce. And, you know, you just do do your thing and don't worry about a thing. And honestly, I never forgot that. And, when you know, we've gotten uh, former Islanders over these last six, seven weeks doing Islanders forecheck. I reached out to him and I was just so happy he was able to join us. But it's a little something that I wanted people to know about the person beyond the player. That is Michael Grabber. All right, so without further ado, let's take a quick break. And on the other side, we will have former Islander Michael Grabner. This is Islanders 4-Check, the bonus series of Hockey Press Pass with Pat Boyle and Chris Botta. We'll be right back. Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and games for play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Their staff will help you find the right board game for you. From card and party games to games for families to strategy games, we have it all. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for groups to join? Our Magic, The Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, or Warhammer communities are welcoming for all. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainStreetBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. We are back on Islanders Forecheck. Chris Botta here, Pat Boyle. And I'm so happy, really proud actually, to be joined uh, by a guest, a recent Islander, a five-year Islander, also played for the Devils and Rangers and and, in Arizona where he is now, and that's Michael Grabner. Thanks so much for joining us, Michael. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nice to be talking some hockey. I know, you know, I'm asked this all the time. I mean, you you were still playing very well till the end. Obviously, you had a lot of injuries. Uh, is there, you, Obviously, you're looking in fantastic shape. Uh, is there any thought at all about, you know, now that we maybe are on the other side of COVID to start thinking about getting back to playing hockey? Or has your family got you busy enough? Ah, uh, well, we got busy enough, but yeah, there's a lot of factors obviously going into these decisions, especially now after that much time. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of just dead stuff, right? Like uh, the stuff that you kind of don't really know that you miss when you're playing, right? So like the last couple of years or when this all started, you kind of saw all these things that you usually just be in the back burner, right? So like school plays, uh, whatever, practices, whatever it is. So it's been pretty busy, like kind of just driving the kids around to practice at school every day and stuff. So I help out with my son's team a little bit um, with coaching. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to kind of work with the kids. And um, so I haven't really thought about it that much. I've gotten some questions, but obviously we'll see what happens. Never say never, right? But again, uh, I don't know how 
realistic it is or not. So gotcha. Well, I'm sure there'd be opportunities in North America and also and also in Europe too. So I suspect you're going to hear from people. So this would be the off season to think about it. Yeah, like you said, we'll see what happens again. Like, right, like I've been so busy that I haven't really even thought about it. It was just like, go, 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 unless people stop or ask me about it. So, yeah, like, we'll see what happens when maybe it slows down a bit after school and hockey for my son's over and stuff. And then maybe, but like I said, we'll we'll see what happens. Still a long, lot of ways, long ways to go to next season. Yeah, of course, uh, we want to ask you about your time with the Islanders and what that meant for you and how that went and how you felt about it. But I did also, because the trade deadline is coming up, I would love to get your perspective of what it was. You were once traded like on February 22nd, uh, right near the, the deadline. I was wondering about, you know, not just then, but also your overall experience and what is it like for a hockey team, especially one like the Islanders now, where you know around 20 points out, despite still having a few games in hand, there will probably be some selling of veteran players. Uh, how what is that like for a team? You know, the Islanders won Thursday night six to nothing against Columbus, so obviously it wasn't too much on their mind, right? But from your perspective, what was it like as a player? Oh, obviously, I've been on every side of the things. Like I've been traded, I've been uh, waved and picked up. I have seen it all. I've been traded, like I ran training camp in the summer. Like I've seen it all. So, um, looking back, yeah, it's definitely kind of like a nervous time. Obviously, around right, like um, you never know at the end of the day what's gonna happen. Obviously, sometimes it's uh, more obvious, right? Like my time when I got traded to Jersey, uh, like you kind of knew it's coming and you kind of can maybe prepare a bit. But at the end of the day, once you got traded, it still kind of hits you, right? So before that, I tried to just kind of not think about it. And then like when the day rolls around, you still kind of follow a bit, especially nowadays with you guys, with the media and like you can see it on social media everywhere, right? Like it's like instant. So you still follow it again back in the day when I thought we are, the team was doing good or my first couple of years with that, with the Islanders, like I wasn't really too worried. Still, obviously you can feel the energy around the rink, right? Change a little bit in that week, maybe even ahead, especially if your team's not performing and stuff. So you see definitely some guys um, walking around like eggshells a little bit, right? So it's definitely a weird time. Obviously, like you said, you could be moving across the country or even to another country and stuff. So, yeah, it's I think everyone probably treats it differently. I would say too. Obviously, the stars and stuff they don't really have any worry about. It's like any other day for them, right? But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird time. And then kind of when it's done, it's like you can literally feel just kind of everyone relax again, right, and move on till next till the next season at least. Yeah, hey Michael, you know, just I, I've been an Islanders fan for over ten to twelve years now, and you know, back in the mid two thousand tens when it was you and and Josh and Matty Molson and Tavares, those were some of my favorite teams. And you know, just reading all over and seeing the chemistry you guys had on the ice, I mean, it was pretty clear you guys were a very very close group. Uh, if you could kind of just speak to that, you know, what made you guys so close together as a group and. You know, how, how special was that group, those teammates to you back on uh, your time on the island? Yeah, for me personally, like, right, I got traded in the summer, I got waved, got picked up, going into a new team, but it kind of was a good fit, obviously, like right off the start for me. 
um, just in the sense of we are a young team, right? We're all kind of in the same boat, like kind of getting your foot in the door. Um, fans knew, even management knew, like it's uh, going to be a progress, right? So it's, it was it was for a young guy, it was back then perfect to come in, right? And kind of like just play without expectations, really, as like being to limit it. <clears throat> Um, and that's, I think, what brought us together, right? Like, we're all, like I said, also young. You didn't really have that big age differences, right? Like, um, and you see now there's still a lot of guys playing there from 10 years later. So it just showed how, how young of a team we were. Um, and then, like, I don't know how it was before I got there, right? But like you said, like, it kind of felt like the bus going around the aisles again a little bit. Even, like, the first couple of years we were in that group, but you just see, like, every year we got better and better. And, like, you felt the fans kind of getting more excited about the team, right? And then when we made the playoffs and stuff. So you kind of saw the trend going up for the aisles overall in the last 10 years and get kind of – I don't know if it was like this before. Like I said, I don't know if they had the bus going. It just seemed like – the three, the five years I was there, I just kept picking up and picking up to where it is the last few years, right? Where they always were playing kind of to win, and like the fans knew that, right? So it was definitely exciting times. Like I said, for me, it was perfect kind of getting into the NHL. I got a few games in Vancouver and just getting to play a few years, and like which you don't have a lot of times in other teams, right? Like you come to Pittsburgh in that time frame, you have. 15 stars on one team you're not gonna really get okay just go play we don't care how many mistakes you make so like i think for that for my me personally and us as a group it was like just a perfect fit at the time and it's brought us so close uh being together for a few years yeah i mean i, I remember still your your first season with the islanders and you, you burst on you had 34 goals six of them shorthanded uh, just watching you, you were you were special every time you stepped on the ice because you're an incredible skater. You were so fast, and you know your ability to to kill off penalties and and push defenses back was was always something I enjoyed a lot. I guess just you know speaking for yourself, what was the the part of your game as a as a hockey player that you were most proud of? Yeah, probably the thing. I would say that it's just like my like how long I lasted, especially um, how I got drafted. I got drafted as an offensive guy, and I kind of had to kind of switch my game around to become like more defensive and uh, play shorthanded, right? Like back like even in Vancouver, my early when I played the twenty games that one year, I think more than where eighty percent of my points were on a power play, and then I came came to the Islanders. We had like a pretty skilled team up front with young guys, right? So there's only a certain amount of spots. So that's probably most proud of is like how I revamped my game, kind of right and fit. Because a lot of I see that a lot of times now, where like certain guys like they'll get a chance, but they, they can't adjust to the role that they're given, and then they kind of like expect to be a goal scorer, but they'll end up on the third line and they can't handle it, right? And then they're out of the league, really. So. For me, that's probably the biggest thing or most proud of kind of how I adjusted to like the way I was perceived. Like I said, in junior, it was all offense, power play, and, and then a kind of like more defensive role, right? So I think that just uh, helped me a lot again. Like in a lot of teams, you probably can't have that much time either to kind of figure it out, right? But yeah, that's probably my speed. Um, again, obviously, my earlier years were a little better if the Isles, uh there's a few things, but that's for maybe another day um, where I could maybe contribute what happened in the time and where my production kind of fell off, right? Um, 
I have some beliefs why that is, but again, it has nothing to do anymore. It's it's old news. So like, um, yeah. But other than that, like I said, I had a great time on Long Island. Uh, the fans were unreal. I loved. We loved living there. Uh, yeah, it was just a, a good place to to play. I was just actually about to ask you, as when you were with the Islanders, how was the quality of life on Long Island, and what do you remember, like either places you went to, things you'd like to do, or you know, just what was the life like for you? Obviously, I came like from a smaller town in Austria, right, and then I lived in everywhere Spokane, Winnipeg before Vancouver and then there. So like, uh, I was adjusted to kind of just whatever my surroundings are. are right. So, but yeah, Long Island, I thought they had good food, all the Italian places around, right? Like Vincent, like there's all these places you still remember going, right? They're still all there. I'm guessing like last time I was there, at least they were. So I, it didn't really change much when we played out there. And I sometimes drove around to that mall or something, you kind of see still the same, still looks the same. So, but for back in the day, yeah, we, like I said, we enjoyed living. It was kind of like a smaller town feel, right? Like um, we lived not too far from the rink. Everyone was close. So um, yeah, we had a, I always say like for me, the way my career went, I, I think I was in the right cities and the right times for whatever stage I was in, right? Arizona now at the end with uh, like three with kids and stuff. It was kind of more relaxed. So um, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, uh, we had a good time in Long Island, like I said, that we still know that places we used to go out for lunch and stuff. And um, yeah, it was just a, a good spot. Like I, I, I personally liked it a lot there. So, you know, you alluded to it before, and then it sounded like you said you, you know, maybe you didn't want to talk about it, and that's okay if you don't want to. But you talked about the end and production dropping off. Sometimes things happen where you don't click with a coach or something like that. But it was a strange trade. Uh, so, you know, in tra during training camp for like five pieces, uh, how did you hear about the trade and what do you remember about that day and those final days as an Islander? Yeah, obviously, like the season before didn't really go as planned and like stuff like uh, the end of year meeting wasn't great. So I kind of thought I might get dealt in the summer, right? Like, uh and then it happened, like, obviously, when training camp wasn't really ideal, like, you go in there, was, I already did my fitness or whatever it was, like, this, the test and stuff. I don't know, I remember, and I got traded. But, again, like, I went through it every way you can, really, with trades and waiver and pickups and stuff. So, it just took it as it came. But, yeah, I still remember I, I went to take a nap after my fruit because we have usually, like, a very early day, right? We were at the rink at, like, 6 in the morning. And I went home and I was like, I guess like an afternoon, I took a nap and I, Tavares knocked on my door. He lived next door and he kind of told me to call the trainers because I was sleeping. I didn't hear my phone or nothing. So he kind of was like, ah, oh, you should probably call the trainers and stuff. So, and then I had to go right away because we had to, I had to fly to Newfoundland to leave that training camp there. So that was all messed up. And wife was in charge again of cleaning up, packing up. It's, it's tough for everyone when something like that happens, right? So, hey, can I ask you? I, you know, like we hear a lot. Obviously, I worked for the team for a long time, but the it, it's almost a little mythical about the end of season meetings, right? I think what most people, and I wouldn't blame any fan for thinking this, is that you know, really, usually not much happens. The guy goes in, the coach tells him what he thinks, the GM tells you know, you maybe get an opportunity. Uh, 
but can you talk about your what you remember about those meetings and perhaps that last one when you alluded to it not going well is it is it i mean maybe it got tense but is it just like a disagreement in terms of like how you're utilized what would be an example yeah of i feel like like again i don't want to talk like, the, like i said i have nothing bad it's just like sometimes you have different opinions right like i said and i felt like towards the end like the way maybe they wanted me to play wasn't really the same way as the first couple of years where I was like playing good, I thought, and I had success, right? So I feel like, I don't know, it was kind of miscommunication, I think, the way what was expected or and stuff. So again, it's watered down, right? Like it's, it is what it is. But like those meetings, yeah, you sometimes, every team does it differently. Like I had it where it's like coach, GM, sometimes assistant coaches, right? um but sometimes they're like together in a room so it's kind of like you're sitting in like a hot seat right so it's definitely it, like i think some ki- people speak their mind right like what they maybe saw thought went down uh, during a year depending if you like lost out in make playoffs whatever it is um sometimes you get some strong personalities in there right you obviously it's just you and the head coach or whatever and it's okay what can we do better next or what happened and so Sometimes disagreements happen, right? I'm more that you should just go in and out. I just listen and kind of, you know, get out of there. Like you said, like some fans probably expect that. Um, some guys do that, but like some guys usually discuss stuff that maybe you wouldn't say during the season, right? Because they don't want to start stuff. So again, I was more of that, like, okay, in and out, get out of there because. So, and it also depends, like, if you are a free agent, a lot of times maybe you don't go to a meeting because what they're going to say, right? Like, maybe you're back, maybe you're not. So, so, so it's like, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of different things. Like, it's same as training camps. Like, for me, training camps never got easier in, like, the sense of nervousness. Like, I was as nervous here at 32 doing my fitness test as when I was 18. I wanted to perform, and, like, I don't know, I never really – lost that that like that the first couple of days where some guys did just go and like i wish i could do that but i didn't so it was always the first days and then again trade deadline at certain times in a year that it's just more anxiety if you want i really appreciate the insight into the meeting and for sharing that because i think a lot of people know about it being you were a finalist for the calder for rookie of the year does that i mean that just I don't know how to say it. Like, I just think that's got to be an unbelievable thing. There's only three, right? In one year, you're deemed of all the players in the best league in the world. You're one of the three best rookies. Does that, did it mean a lot to you then? And do you, you know, do you think about it now? Cause it should be a point of pride. Yeah. Um, I haven't really thought that much about it. Like points in like the career, maybe it's comes, you know what I mean? Like maybe it's kind of still surreal that, you know, really playing again. I don't know if what these things work, but for sure. Like, obviously I think I had a good year that year, some chemistry with Francie and Oki and stuff. So we had exciting year and it's not just like a nomination for me. Right. Like I said, I get played with them and we just had some, really good games and put up some points, which um, without France, you know, okay, I probably didn't do that. Right. So it just showed, like, like you said, that we had some exciting young players in Long Island at, at, at the time and our line was one of them. So, um, but yeah, it was fun to experience the whole thing, right? Like who knows when the next nomination for any award you get, but you can get the whole, the ceremony and see how everything works. And uh, yeah, it was cool to see. So, sure i'll look back maybe down the road more about it but again like 
still so young. I'm just trying to not even process the whole thing, probably. Oh, I'm not ready to do the whole, you know, retrospective on your career <laughs> yeah. yet. I'm not trying to get corny on you like that. The the Islanders this season, and I don't, I'm not expecting you to do a deep analysis. You have children. You're, you're driving. You're, you say you're their Uber driver, and you're yeah. taking them all over. But after two seasons of making the Final Four and high expectations, people picking them to win the whole darn thing, they uh, COVID got them. Uh, the rules the road trip to start the season. We know all the excuses. We also know that things just didn't seem to ever fall together, despite, a, you know, every once in a while, a good performance like Thursday night against Columbus. Um, but do you feel that this is a team with a good core that maybe needs just some retooling? Or do you think that, you know, would, do you think that when a season, team has a season like that, that's what they are and that they need to make a lot of changes for next season? Well, I'm not no GM, right? But uh, I followed them a bit. And like you said, I picked them to do well again this year. And I was on Arthur's podcast. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pick them to win, right? I'm on the Alice podcast. So, But I also didn't thought they actually had a chance, right? Like looking, like you said, at the last couple of years and stuff. And like even before, they just had a good hockey team. They played a, a, a certain way that's hard to play against and not a lot of fun. And uh so that yeah, that was just a clear choice for me for playoffs and stuff at least, right? So, but like you said, I haven't watched as many games I did on the beginning of the year when I did the broadcast to kind of like have know what they what I'm talking about, kind of. Um, and it just seemed like they weren't playing like they did the last couple of years, right? That gritty style and like wearing you down. Like they had it for spurts. I felt like in the games just from watching those few games, obviously, like whenever I would tune in. But they weren't as like the last couple of years, right? Where like, actually, like I said, like people, you didn't want to play against them. They were, they, they didn't care if you win one nothing or 6-5, right? So, um, and then, yeah, and then I feel like when it's a team, generally in hockey, like I noticed whenever you go off to a slower start, right, it's like harder to grind into and find your game. Like like the one year with my first year of the Rangers, we had a good start and it felt like easy sailing all the way through, kind of never really worried about losing your playoff spots. It's kind of weird dynamic in hockey if you like start behind the eight ball to kind of climb your way up. So, but yeah, like it's just the way it goes. If you said it as drastic as like retooling the whole thing, like, then you would just discredit the last three years and you had a, that big of a, of a, of a drop-off, right? So you kind of got to evaluate how, what has happened. Like, was the road trip part of it? Was the COVID, like, all, like, missing players and stuff part of it, right? Because usually you don't have that fast and that big of a drop-off in my eyes, like, especially with the players you have there, right? And the guys that they signed. So I think it's maybe more of a down year, but maybe they could use a couple pieces, right, to help them. Again, and like they lost somewhere along the way too, right? They thought they're good players, tapes and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's like that dramatic to like just throw in a towel and start over again, but probably could use some help maybe. Last two quickies are the, in Arizona, do you have access to a rink? Have you skated at all or have you been, have you stayed off? I just have, like I said, I'm on the ice usually three, four times a week with the kids. That's really all I do. I work out a little bit in the gym and stuff. And then, like I said, I'm on the ice with the kids. And um, 
I played a roller hockey tournament like with some older people, like older guys. Uh, probably a week ago, that was fun. So usually do that in the summer for like getting ready for the season. I played a lot of roller hockey, so that was fun. My, my last really competitive thing I did, so that was kind of fun. And uh, you, you know, you were very popular with the fans when you were here. Not just your exciting uh, uh, style of play, but you're a very gracious guy and a giving guy, and always available to the media and honest and candid. Uh, I just wanted to say, you know, do you have any like uh, a thought for the Islander fans before we say goodbye? Your message for them? No, yeah, as I said, like I still remember my time there. They were one of the best fans. Like uh, the way they treated you, like you said, like I was young back then, right? So. Um, they had a lot of patience, uh, like you said, after games, they would always, I what was the most people waiting after games I've seen or ever played, right? It's, like I said, they're just a passionate fan base and they deserve what they had the last few years, obviously not this year, hopefully it goes back up next year, but I think they enjoyed the team that, that was built in the last years with the, some of the guys that I played with. So yeah, I hope they have a, a good, good hockey season next year. Um, just chalk that off right now and then, yeah, get ready for next year again. That's great. Thank you so much for doing this, Michael. Thanks for your time on, on the Islanders. Uh, you were really great with me and when I was doing some of the writing there. And um, I know everybody here just really appreciates your time and, and thanks for coming on. My best to you and your family and for whatever the future might hold for you. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. All right, wow, that was, uh, <laughs> I don't want to get corny, that was a dream come true, though. One of my favorite Islanders when I first started following the team back in high school, Michael Grabner, thanks so much for the time again. Uh, that was excellent to have him share some thoughts and, and share some memories from his time on the island and uh, to see that he's still doing well and, you know, being the Uber driver for his kids now. And who knows? He said, never close the door, never say never. So we will leave it at that. And with that, that'll do it for this episode of Islanders 4-Check, a bonus series of Hockey Press Pass. A huge thank you again to Michael Grabner. And a thank you, as always, to everybody here from the HPP family, to Danny, to Ksenia, and, of course, for Chris Botta. I'm Pat Boyle. We'll have another brand-new episode next week for you. And until then, we'll see you on the next episode of Hockey Press Pass. Thank you.